So Tommy Robinson has been charged after attending an anti-Semitism march in London, causing much controversy about the rights you have to protest and can someone actually decide if you can protest with their march. You got a crazy victory that happened in Holland, which shows the you know, arguably the far right is on the move in Europe. Are they the far right? That's what we're going to be discussing today. you got a stabbing in Dublin that caused much outrage about immigration, but also the reaction to that and the whole bubbling of multiculturalism and the polarisation is really, really ramping up and it's, pr- it's grim to see on both sides, you know, just the complete tribalness of it all. But today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by fellow libertarian who I had on very who I had on recently. Always a pleasure to have him. Do you want to give a little introduction about who you are and what you're about? Yeah, I'm Ross from UK Liberty TV. Um, talking that Liberty stuff as best as we can, trying to spread the message. Uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, comp- always like it's, we, we're on the same page completely with what we're about. Um, I always say at the end of the episodes, we agree way too much, but yeah, we'll, hopefully we'll have some slight disagreement this episode. Um, but coming in with the first story, so Tom Robinson has been charged after attending a rally against anti-Semitism in London. So organisers estimated 100,000 people took part in Sunday's march. The English Defence League founder has not had not been asked to attend and organised said um, he would, would have been arrested by police and he has been charged with failing to comply with an order excluding him from the area of the march, the Met said. The four-year-old name whose real name is Stephen Yaxel Lennon has been bailed and is due to appear in Westminster Magistrates Court on the 22nd of January. Mr. Robinson was arrested near the Royal Court of Justice from where the demonstration began on Sunday after owners has said he would not be welcome at the event. So the question is, is this justified? Because if someone says to you, like, let's say there's a bunch of people who people don't like who are massive influence and they're at a march and you're like, oh, you can't be on the march. Like, surely their right to speak has been taken away. Now, I'm not endorsing what Tommy says at all, but, like, if if there's a march where they say, right, no, this person's offensive, this person's offensive, then you could just gridlock so many people into never being on a protest, surely. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's so many angles we could take this from. Uh, I think the most interesting, I mean, what you were saying there about who gets to be on marches and who doesn't, I mean, that's a prickly topic in of itself then. Um I think it's interesting. Jewish lobbies in this country have long been championing the benefits of multiculturalism and integration, uh, as they have done in America as well. But now it seems that the chickens have come home to boost somewhat and the elements within our culture that um, aren't necessarily uh, very, um, what do you say, pleasant towards um, you know, Judaism as a whole within this uh, country. Uh, that's now manifesting itself. <clears throat> now, Tommy Robinson's probably been at the forefront of the, I don't want to call it a fight against Islam, because I don't deem it to be a fight. I don't deem Islam or Muslims to be a threat in this country at all. I don't particularly stand for what that part of what he says. Um, but I do think it's interesting just seeing like how <laughs> Swella Braverman a couple of weeks ago spoke about a two-tiered policing system with relation to, you know, crimes of the jester oil and, you know, green protests, uh, how they're handled with kid gloves compared to those labelled the far right. And we can see the images from how Tommy Robinson got treated compared to 
well, neither anyone else at a pro-Palestinian march. Uh, something like 20 coppers were surrounding him, pepper spraying him. Uh, I think he was technically, I think he was arrested and I'm not sure what's happened most recently. I think he's just been released on bail. Um, but yeah, talk about a two-tiered policing system. Now, like you say, I'm not in favour of everything that the guy stands for. I think he did a pretty good job of exposing uh, the COVID hypocrisy. Um, I think he's been a pretty good journalist in recent years, far better than uh, most of our corporate journalists. Uh, I think he did an excellent job at uncovering some of the um, scandals in some of the northern councils with regards to um, you know, grooming gangs. Uh, put, shed a lot of necessary light on that and took a lot of flack for doing so. Uh, so, yeah, should his right to protest be taken away? Uh, no, this is a free country. So, yeah, what we saw the other day with his arrest is yeah, nothing short of shocking. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And it's funny because people get so uncomfortable to defend people, no matter what they is. You've got so-called free speech warriors who are terrified to defend people on the, like, you know, pro-Hamas side, you could call it. Um, obviously, not all people, but there's people who are pro-Hamas. They're scared to defend their right. And then you look at the flip side and a bunch of people are terrified to defend people like Tommy because then it's like, oh, no, you can't defend him. Um, and it's it kind of goes to show... <clears throat> how kind of um, weak the freedom of speech laws are in the UK, let alone our current laws, but also just simply like you can coordinate, say, oh, someone's presence is, that itself is offensive. That just has so many problematic things with it. And it's fascinating as well to see the power that Tommy still has in the UK. Like if he says for people to come out, they come out. I mean, he still carries a lot of weight, um, you know, from his days as, you know, the EDL leader. Um, and it's clear that his presence there aggravate things to the point of violence. Would it aggravate things to the point where the police would have to get involved? Uh, I don't think it would. Um, I think it is just essentially an excuse just to beat up on him. Uh, I think it's an excuse to take him down. I think it's an excuse to use him as a um, as a symbol for this is what happens to dissidents. And yeah, this is a guy that's been kind of screwed by the system and screwed by the establishment. Regardless of what you think on his take on Islam, if you think he's talking, you know, out of his out of one end, or if you think he's uh, kind of spot on with it, uh, yeah, this is a guy that's kind of fought against the establishment, and this is a guy that's been screwed by the establishment. Like you say, it's a tricky one. I can see why kind of uh, the pro-Semite movement, the pro-Israel movement, whatever we want to call it, don't want to associate him with their rallies. Um, but then, like you say, you can't just say, no, you're not allowed. You know, He's walking the streets, as far as I'm concerned. From what I saw from the videos, the guy's walking the streets acting as a journalist, filming things, and then 20 coppers later, pepper sprayed in the back of a uh, paddy wagon. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. It's like it's 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 annoying as well because there were people at the march who said, well, he shouldn't have been there. And I'm sure, you know, you're <coughs> an anti-Semitism march. Tom Robertson isn't exactly the person you want there. But, like, it's like <clears throat> Black Lives Matter protests. There'll be violent people or a COVID anti-lockdown march. There'll be conspiracy nutcases. Like, there's always going to be people there. You obviously disavow them. That's the key thing. But you can't, you really can't control where people go. And I think when people try and play God like that, you're just going to create a terrible system because what happens next March <clears throat> when 
let's, <clears throat> let's say there's one march that's in the future pro- anti-lockdown and then there's a pro-lockdown march and they say someone there's presence or whatever is hateful and then they like kettle in a bunch of people like this just the most basic kind of thinking about liberty and how easily it can be abused how easily it can go into this slippery slope i mean we've become a society now where if someone says something and then someone on that then the person who said the thing is entirely legally responsible for the next person's actions which totally defeats the purpose of you know your individual responsibility and individual guilt uh you know that's what western civilization is based on now we have a situation where um you know there have been cases in america where shooters they've looked through their internet history and if they've done so much as uh, i think in one case i heard on tim cast recently that he liked a video on mm. tim cast and that was enough to have the official um reaction be that tim cast should be banned and abolished uh you know it's crazy this kind of guilt by association culture that we've now built up upon now um you know likewise i i don't think that the, you know we, on the flip side those who are marching in favor of a ceasefire those who are marching in favor of the uh we're not in favor of against the mistreatment of the palestinians being slandered as uh you know the most radical and extremist of people because there are a fraction of people at those protests that are radical and extremist. Uh, no, you shouldn't have to answer for anyone but yourself. Um, and you know, this is the same case here, uh, whether it applies to the far right or the far left. Yeah. Yeah. I, co- I completely <clears throat> agree. It's, I mean, it's incredible. People still to this day haven't figured out the basic rules of Liberty. Like it's bonkers. 2023, the amount of things that need to happen for people to wake up and be like, yeah, you should defend everyone. It's, oh, <laughs> it's so frustrating. Um, but moving on to the next story. So what happened in the Netherlands is fascinating. So Gert Wilders, Wilders, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, victory in Netherlands. I think the Binders. 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 Um, v- victory in Netherlands election spooks Europe. So the unexpected meaty win for controversial hard right politician Gert Wilders in Wednesday general election Netherlands set international headlines on fire. So this is by the BBC, by the way. So right wing nationalists across Europe rushed to congratulate the populist politician, sometimes dubbed the Dutch trunch, partly for his dyed, buffant like hairdo and partly his famous firebrand rhetoric he's expressed views including linking muslim immigration with terrorism and calling for a ban on mosques and the quran are so provocative that he began under type police protection since 2004 wilders was convicted of inciting discrimination although later quitted and he was refused entry back into the uk in 2009 but europe europe's far right believes that the views have now become more mainstream um and his victory after 25 years in parliament his freedom party party the pvv is set to win 37 seats well ahead of his nearest rival a left-wing alliance the pvv can no longer be ignored he said we will govern so what are your thoughts of this because this is massive like when i saw this i didn't because there's there's been a the rise of you know you want to call it the far right in europe there has been a rise of it if people want to deny that or not um and this is someone who is quite blatantly i would say that you had Italy, you had here, you got the, was it the People's Party in Denmark? Um, you got, you know, across Europe, we're seeing a, a real pushback against 
a lot of what's happening. So what what's your thoughts of him winning the landscape in Europe and him with his kind of anti-Muslim rhetoric? I mean, this is the guy that the UK <clears throat> labelled as a threat and was banned from entering the UK. And now as the Prime Minister, well, he's going to have to, you know, we're going to have to roll out the red carpet for a foreign dignitary. I don't think we'll be treating him quite as nicely as we did with some, you know, <laughs> Prime Ministers who shouldn't have got such a nice reception. Uh, I can think of a couple of our own that shouldn't have got such a nice reception as we gave them. Uh, but no, isn't it interesting? This is yet another black eye for the establishment. This guy is um, totally a vindication of everything that establishment politicians have been saying for the last 10 years. Uh, he's anti-mass immigration. Um, I know he's been very... Again, he's an outspoken critic of Islam. Uh, I don't really kind of buy into all that... Um, your religious war rhetoric, if you want to go that far with it. Uh, he is genuinely concerned about the integration or lack thereof of certain cultures, uh, certain um, groups of uh, migrants within Holland. And he's rightly so, right to be so. If you look at the crime statistics, um, a disproportionate number of crimes within the Amsterdam area are committed at this moment by Algerians. Uh, and by some kind of Middle Eastern populations. Uh, there's an interesting graph on that that um, I'll try and send you so you can put in the show links so people can have a look at at the end. People are clearly fed up with what they have seen. People clearly want change. People clearly don't want established politicians anymore. Uh, and like you say, we're seeing this all across not just Europe. Um, we're seeing establishment get a black eye right across the world um, and more of the same, to be honest. Now, is it always perfect libertarianism? Is it always perfect free market solutions? No, it's not. And it rarely is, although Argentina seems to be pretty exciting. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that later. Um, but what it is, is a vindication of the last kind of 20 years of establishment rule. Um, it's a move in the right direction. No, it's not perfect. But I think the fact that people are rejecting what has been the establishment uh, in large numbers for you know 20 years, for the last 30 years, uh, I think it's a step in the right direction. Interesting. I mean, <clears throat> when you say step in the right direction, what, what would you say is the good thing there? Because, I mean, he does point out, I guess, some of the issues with mass immigration, with crime statistics, like when you look at places like Poland or Hungary, like there are clear differences in crime statistics people can say correlation causation there's kind of massive arguments around that or certain places that have low immigration like japan or whatever like there's there's interesting arguments you can make with that but would you say that because there is a there is a anti-islam pushback going on in the west and i think a part of that is because of the insanity of how christianity has been treated with disdain mm. and constant attack and now and you know people arrested for silently praying and now there's this really extreme kind of fuck you to all these religions and i think that's what's kind of bolstering all this because we're just in this absolute insanity pit of arresting christians or any form of tradition and now i think we're just having this kind of roar of the complete extreme opposite of it um because i know some people have said you know he's not far right but you know, if if he's not far right, what what really would be far right? You know, well, I mean, <clears throat> I think what um, he represents, and um, you were talking there about kind of Islam and Islam's relationship to the West. 
Um, as we in the West have become so much more secularised, uh, it seems as if Middle Eastern and traditionally Islamic communities have become, well, not more secularised, have become more, in some sense, more fundamentalist in their um, in their outlook. All the while um, benefiting from the West, all the while taking residence in the West, all the while benefiting from the social institutions and <clears throat> taxation policies of the West uh, and redistributive policies of the West. And it seems like people are now at the point where because there has been this um, weak response and this lack of a willingness to stand up uh, and I don't want to say fight back, um, but at least question what's happening to our societies. It's no wonder that we're seeing people like this Gert Wilders, um, you know, come out of the woodwork. You, we have seen over the past 30 years, uh, I'd say even longer than that, we've seen um, an increase in the message that as kind of Westerners, we have nothing, we should feel nothing but shame for what our ancestors have done, be it slavery or colonialism, and rightly so, they were shameful acts, although not committed by us, uh, and yet we have to kind of bear the brunt of that. And it seems like that shame is now wearing on people, and it seems like people are now getting sick of that message that we must feel shame, that we don't deserve to um, you know, have a homeland or don't deserve... Uh, or deserve rather to suffer the punishment of mass migration, which is interesting. What if you get into debates with people about this? It's very often how that's framed. It's like Britain shouldn't. Okay, let's take you know Britain for example, or all Holland as we're talking about Holland. Uh, Holland shouldn't have to take uh, take in waves of migrants. Yes, they should because of the, their role in the transatlantic slave trade and colonialism in Africa, etc. Just by saying that, just by admitting that, that makes it seem as if migration is in some sense a punishment for past sins. Now, you shouldn't punish past sins in the first place, mm. nor should you equate migration with a punishment. Then it's a somewhat of a an omission by people who make that uh, argument that, oh, well, we did this to them in the past, so therefore they get to come here now. Uh, right. So that's what so you're saying, that, it, that it's a bad thing that's now being inflicted upon us. Um, yeah, identitarianism breeds identitarianism, okay? People have been told for decades now that their identity, their European Christian identity, whatever we want to call it, uh, is not worth defending and should, um, you know, die. It's regu It's the only identity that's regularly ridiculed in our media now. Now, I'm not saying that other identities haven't been ridiculed in the past or are still ridiculed to some extent. But it is certainly the one identity that you can ridicule um, with zero backlash, a threat of being cancelled, a uh, threat of having your bank account closed, your social media destroyed, anything of that nature. Uh, and yeah, this is a pushback. This is the identitarianism uh, coming home to roost, basically. Yeah, I, I think that's such a brilliant point we said about yeah like people have had enough like before there was like all right fair enough but now it's like actual disdain people are fed up and i think we are seeing that more and more people are like like you know stop with this bollocks type thing and p and it's it's also a lot of people are scared to say it as well and i'm someone who's libertarian and i'm a lot more 
open to the fact of immigration and and stuff and i think it's a good thing but i also appreciate but that's from a capitalist you know economic growth standpoint not a cultural standpoint because i know there are massive cultural issues and i have in all honesty moved my view on this because i used to and i I think i spoke about last time like i used to think that there were no cultural issues now there are clear cultural issues there's clearly integration issues and there's clearly cultural differences if someone comes from a place that values women or gay people whatever or loads of multitude of things decorum whatever there's gonna there's obviously gonna be a difference when they live here like you can't get away from that and it's all about the integration and talking of you know right wing or whatever so suspect in dublin stabbing was charged with no possession in may this year but never convicted so what happened in Ireland was fascinating over the weekend. So there was a stabbing um, and <clears throat> of a alleged Algerian man who stabbed a bunch of people and kids. Um, and they basically sparked massive outrage after because there's been a big anti-immigration sentiment in Ireland for a while. Now, I've been to Dublin a few times, well, twice or three times since. And I've seen graffiti, anti-immigration or whatever. And one thing you know about the Irish, you ever go there, there's a strong identity of what it means to be Irish. Like, culturally, you go to Ireland, there's a sense of, like, we're we're the Irish, you know what I mean? Um, and there's definitely a bit more of a pushback to immigration because it's been a massive influx of immigrants to, like, Dublin and stuff. Um, <clears throat> so, and we saw the outrage of after that, there was a complete riot, and it was absolute mayhem. It was terrible. But instead of the focus being the horrific stabbing which was just absolutely abhorrent all the focus was on the backlash to it so which i think is a big point about kind of where the media's at it's like don't focus on the bad thing focus on the reaction to the bad thing but what what are your thoughts focus on what you can use to spin your narrative and uh, i it's interesting i've just got this in my head now so i want to say it's interesting this what i was saying about um how migration is viewed by proponents of migration as like some kind of repayment for the debts of colonialism and the slave trade. I mean, here is one nation in Ireland that suffered colonialism and suffered from the slave trade. I mean, uh, the white slave trade, which contained millions of Irishmen, uh, women, children, um, you know, went on for hundreds of years. And this is a nation that, you know, hugely suffered under the British and once they continue does to this, does continue to this day. But uh, yeah, this is one nation that does not have any debt to the third world, um, you know, the Middle East or any African nation at all. And yet, yeah, they seem to be uh, suffering from this problem as well. Now, the Prime Minister Leo uh, Varadkar, is it? Uh, yeah, Varadkar, I can never remember to pronounce his name. Um, yeah, he came out and made some interesting statements, as you've alluded to there. He spoke about, uh, you know, young men of Dublin who were, you know, tearing up the streets in the aftermath of this attack. Uh, who do people really fear? Do they fear the machete-wielding immigrants or do they fear you? And I don't know, they probably fear the machete-wielding immigrant who just stabbed five children. That probably m- would be more of my fear. But no, it, like you say, it's interesting what the media will pick and choose. I mean, it's a little bit, um, I guess, January 6th in some sense. If you think about back to the Trump riots, uh, in the post-election uh, era, to back in 2021, uh, just how the media will spin this narrative um, towards whatever they want to talk about. Then they don't want to talk about the defaults of kind of mass immigration. Uh, they want to talk about the dangers of the far right. Uh, and here we've got, you know, that danger 
perfectly personified. Now we start to see laws in Ireland that crack down on a whole host of different freedoms for the individual. So here's one such senator. Um, well, here's what she said then. I was Senator Pauline O'Reilly. When you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here. We are restricting freedom. Doing it for the common good. I believe it is our job as legislators to restrict these freedoms for the common good. George Orwell could not have written a better parody in 1984 if he'd have tried. It's like every bingo phrase we got there. It's restrict freedom, common good, for the benefit of mankind. I'm a good person and I'm so convinced of my moral superiority that I will use men with guns and that's basically what a government is. I mean, we, t we can talk about government all day long, but as libertarians, we know government is just an idea in your head, the social construct. At the end of the day, it's men with guns. OK, that's what the government is. It's men with guns. OK, it might not be the government per se that has the guns. They uh, outsource that to the police and, you know, they then back up the laws. But it's men with guns. OK. Guns will now in Ireland, we are getting to the point, will throw you in a cage, lock you away for the crime of tweeting. See, mean that might be distasteful, might contain racial slurs that or racial epithets that I wouldn't personally use or like to hear in public, but that can now land you a prison sentence in Ireland. We talk about the growth of freedom and the growth of kind of populist movements in across Europe. Uh, this is certainly one uh, example of a backward step that our next door neighbour seems to have taken. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, you know, they're kind of the issues with all of this and the folk, what people focus on, and also why the symptom of populism, because like people aren't massively against certain things unless there's a motive to be like no one wake you know comes out of the womb and's like i'm against mass immigration <laughs> it's you know it's through experiences it's through certain things and all this stuff does spur it and it inf it infuses more extremism because even from an objective view if you think the f like i would say they're far right are on the rise but i'd say the reason is mainly because of things of disenfranchise of voters or fake populism and also because there's such a ridiculous back there's such a ridiculous push of progressivism that there's now an extreme of traditionism going on which is a pushback to that and you can't really solve the problem without addressing the symptom and i think like you nailed like what's going on in ireland and as you said like the irish who have been abused for centuries they're they're a country that people can't really say, oh, wait, it's completely unjustifiable for them to do that because, the, because they do have a strong cultural identity. So when people come over to their country, there needs to be strong integration because they have a strong sense of what it means to be Irish. And that's one thing I think in England we lack. You know, if you go to London, I mean, what even... There's no... There's really not cohesion about... I mean, London, like, there's no community, really. There's different boroughs and stuff. But I was, every time I go to London, I hate it more and more. You know, these metal tubes of packed in people going to places it's like that what even is england what is britain you know yeah just it seems yeah 
a lack of identity um, just seems to be. I read an interesting. I heard an interesting study from Harvard the other day about what's driving uh, anxiety in people aged eighteen to thirty-four, uh, and I'm going to probably get the numbers wrong here, so someone can fact check me. But it's something like fifty percent of those people who suffer anxiety claim that one reason was a. Oh, sorry. Uh, one reason was a lack of um, what would you call it? a lack of identity and a lack of meaning and a lack of purpose. Now, obviously, that comes down to the level of the individual in which individuals are lacking those things. And there's a multitude of reasons in society why individuals might lack those things. One of which I feel might be some sense of, you know, community to become akin to if you are told relentlessly that your community that you are akin to is not in fact a community and it's not in fact there's nothing worth worthwhile to your community you have no purpose to serve said community you lack the meaning you lack responsibility and that then bleeds into well it breeds hedonism it breeds individualism it breeds the culture where you <clears throat> pursue individual goals for the here and now and you don't think about the future yeah, that's a fantastic point about individualism and where we're going because as a society, it's all about the individual no matter what it is. And the the fact that when someone does have a community, it might not be a group of Christians or whatever, it's openly berated. But then if you insult other communities, you know, you're arrested, it's hate speech, whatever, but then complete disconnect of what you can actually say about certain communities and what you can't. And when, when people's communities are attacked and they're actually scared to even identify with a community, the, the people you are going to hold on to are going to be the extreme people without a doubt. And that's underpinning it all. Like, you know, nowadays it's controversial to say certain things, you know, to be truly for free expression of different religions and stuff. Um, but I'm so sure I have, it's got to be a super short one because I have to go very soon, even though it's been the shortest episode. But uh, where can people catch you? <laughs> or okay, Get on Twitter, go to UK Liberty TV, follow me on YouTube, YouTube subscribe on YouTube, follow me on uh, UK Liberty TV to hear all the uh, all that Liberty shit. Awesome. And any last words? Um, in the words of the new president of Argentina, uh, Javier Mille, uh, Viva la libertad, carajo. Long live freedom, damn it. Quality, amazing, amazing. Um, unfortunately we couldn't go into him but thanks so much for listening everyone love you all and I'll see you next Thursday at 6 o'clock peace